Have you watched the news and you saw how people are shouting and screaming and someone is trying to calm this whole thing and they just shout louder and they just oppose what, what this person is trying to do and what this person is trying to say? Maybe you have experienced this in your personal life where you stood up for something good and people oppose you and they called you a hypocrite, they called you other kinds of names and eventually you just decided to back off because you did not want this confrontation all the time and you didn't want to be made out a hypocrite in public. Now, these are things that you and I have to contend with basically on a daily basis. And we've almost came to the point where we live in a, in a, a cult of critical thinking. That's how people are thinking about stuff. And when you stand up for the truth, you are made out as not being politically correct and you being branded as a scapegoat. And that's how why so many people just back off. Now, this is what we're continuing dealing with in this episode. So if you want to know more, please stay tuned. I'm going to be with you right after the intro. Welcome to the Rise and Shine show where we help you to become the leader that you were born to be. The show is proudly brought to you by Sunshine Harvest. And now let's move on to today's episode. This is part three in our series on socialism in leadership. And we're just continuing with our exploration of socialism and how you and I can use this understanding to build a sound family, a sound business, and from that a sound society so that we can come out as victors in this crucial time that we live in where we are challenged from every single direction with so many challenges. And the real question here is, is how can a true leader approve socialism or communism as a way of living? Now, the reason why we are looking at this specific topic is because it's so important for us, not only in this time that we live in, but every day of our lives and especially for our future as well. But it's not enough to know what socialism is and how it affects you and me as leaders, but we will then continue to be exploring the different solutions as well because it's not enough just to know the problem. We really need to know the problem And then from there, we need to find the solutions to curb this problem and to turn this whole thing around. And if you think it's not possible, I've got good news for you. It is possible. And then uh, when we know what is going on and we understand how to get out of this, the fight is already halfway won. So for now, I'm just going to do a quick summary of what we've already covered so far. And so... When you and I understand that our goal is to build a sound foundation as a family and as a society, then we realize, and what we already looked at, there are five basic laws to form a sound foundation in society. Now, these five are, it's individuals, it's families, employers, the church, and then government. And let's just quickly run through them again. So for individuals, You need to live a productive life and then look after the needs of your family and to be charitable. For families, it's a strong bond of love between a husband or the male and his wife, the female, and their children. And what they need to do is have a safe environment 
for their children to grow up in. Then we look number three at uh, employees and, and employers. So here the premise is do an honest day's work and do not withhold the wages. That's important for that group. And then for the church, it's really to look after the community, both spirit, soul, and body. Because when these things are looked after, then we also have the foundation to build a strong family and to build a strong society and eventually a strong nation. And then number five is the government. Now, the only two requirements of a government is, is to protect the innocent and punish the guilty. There's no instructions for the government to take care of the poor, to take care of the needy. That is for society to look after that themselves. And that's why we are having so many problems today. And that's why the taxes are so high and all the other things that we see happening around us. Let's move on then to socialism. People think socialism is social, but it's actually anti-social. But because of socialism's good branding, because they've really branded it well, you know, like I said, they, they tuck this word social right in there. So people are misled. Many, many people, not only young people are, are misled, even older people are misled by, by this whole thing because it's been pushed on people for, for decades now. And if you hear something long enough and often enough, you start believing it as truth. So... The propaganda paints, paints socialism as social instead of individualistic. It paints socialism as about equality. It paints socialism as being generous and helping the poor. And that is what you and I are made to believe. And that's what general public out there, that's what they believe. However, it's not that. Where socialism grows, social ties are actually weakened and that is because private organizations and institutions that bring people together are really crowded out by socialism. And as the socialism grows, real generosity in people, it just wanes away because the government takes over the roles previously filled by private and charitable organizations. And just look at history. History really speaks of itself. So that was just a little bit of a recap of what we've already covered. Just a quick word here. Please share this message or this episode with a family member or a friend to help me to get this message out. Please subscribe to this podcast. Because as you know, and as I implored you before, I cannot take this message out alone. So I need you to help me to get this message out. And you can even to donate today. If you feel stirred in your heart, please donate and help me get this message out in, on various channels and get our nation and the nations back on track again. It's so important. You can go to www.sunshineharvest.com forward slash donate. I'm going to spell it to you. It's www.sunshineharvest.com forward slash donate. I'll also put this link in the description of this podcast. Now today we take a deeper look into the ways that Antonio Gramsci so-called marched through the institutions. Now you'll remember I already mentioned his name in, in previous episodes. So to, today we just look a little bit deeper at how he worked and how uh, his philosophy was so successful 
in the Western world. And this is important to you because you're a leader and for you to know these things is very important because if you and I want to come up with solutions to turn the sinister plot around, we need to know how they got us where we are today because you know, once we know what has happened and how they did it, then we can come up with a, with a solution and to counter this thing and really turn it around. And, and that's the good news, that we can really turn it, this thing around. Now, Gramsci was an Italian communist and he was arrested by Mussolini. And for 11 years, the last 11 years of his, of his life, he spent in prison. And this is where he came up with this whole plan and with this whole philosophy. So, and some even call him the most dangerous socialist in history. That's how effective his plans were that he came up with and that's been implemented. And Gramsci's specific focus and his specific aim was to look into culture. And he proposed that if the left truly wanted to win, the left needed to first seize the cultural means of production. And you remember what that is? That's the cultural forming institutions, such as the media, the universities, and even the churches. Because all these institutions uh, pose a great threat to them. So if they can control these institutions, these cultural building, cultural forming institutions, then they can win this battle. That's what he realized. And that's why he was so successful. So what he really saw was that whole society being transformed can come about by a march through these institutions, by taking these institutions and up co-opting them and the leaders in that, like the professors and, and the, the, the leaders and getting them on board. And through this, then they could influence people. And Gramsci really promoted that the leftists had to dominate these institutions. That was his premise, to dominate them. And that includes, again, it's the media, the universities and the churches before they would be able to convince enough people to support their Marxist revolution. And that's really the core of what his whole philosophy was all about. And this part of his thesis was just accepted and almost embraced like manna from heaven from the left-wing intellectuals. They loved this idea because they knew now they can do this without harming so-called someone or physically, no bloodshed, but they can get people, get into people's heads with these philosophies. Because instead of joining a factory workers union, because most of these guys, they don't want to work hard and making bombs in basements, a leftist professor could only free society from capitalist exploitation by penning essays in his office or teaching the students. So he took these, they took these philosophies, they taught the students, which are young people, and they, they gullible, they accept all these things that these professors uh, tell them because they are in positions of, of, of power. And they believe what the professors are telling them. And especially if it comes with such power, these young people just had to accept it because otherwise their marks and their grades are in jeopardy. So it's, it's really uh, a very effective, effective thing that they did here. And this is 
the way that they operate even today. And this is another thing that Gramsci insisted. He insisted that leftist intellectuals needed to question everything. And that included moral absolutes as well as the uh, Judeo-Christian basis of Western civilization. This, these were the main focuses in the cultural things that they focused on. And what they did was they needed to frame seemingly morally sound traditions as systemic injustices that must be exposed. That's really what they did. And if you look around us today, when anyone stands up for good morals and for good things, for example, for, for parents or anything, there's a group of people that just stands up and they shout at these people and they call them hypocrites and they call them all kinds of bad names. And normally, uh, good and nice people, they don't want this abuse. So they just stand back and they just leave these things alone. And they know this because that's how people are. If you sort of touch that hot burner and you, you get hurt, you rather stand back. You don't want to get involved in those things again. And this is where we get these professors protesting against everything that is patriarchy uh, to white imperialism to transphobia. This is where they got to these things. I find it very interesting how they worked. This is how we're going to come up with countermeasures and how we can change this thing. And the interesting thing is, I'm just throwing it here in at you. It's not going to need to take a long time. Not like they had to do with a very long process. But we'll get to, to that at a later stage. But that is very interesting to me. Now, the way that they operated was, was really as a cult of critical theory. And in fact, the, the cultural Marxist left is so critical of everything and anything. They brand themselves as, as critical theory. That's really how they see themselves. And today, there are entire academic departments and programs dedicated to this critical theory. Young people go to school and they have to learn about this critical thinking and they know they, anything that, that's outside of this, they have to attack it with, with a vengeance because it's so-called unethical. It's not good for, for people because it's not social. And that's not the truth. You know that. You and I know that. And, and even uh, the previous president of the United States, Obama, at, at his college, at uh, Occidental College, there's a Department of Critical Theory and Social Justice. And these guys on their website premises to instruct wide-eyed students in the principles of Marxism, uh, psychoanalysis, the Frankfurt School, deconstruction, critical race studies, queer theory, feminist theory, post-colonial theory, and, and a lot more. So do you see the picture? Can you see the picture here that, they, that I'm painting to you, what they, what they are doing? And even the former Time Magazine writer, Michael Welsh, he calls this the cult of critical theory. The cult of critical theory. And this is really the guiding force for what he rightly calls the subversion or, or undermining of the West. That's the whole focus on this, on this uh, movement, the socialist communist movement. 
It's really to undermine the West. Everything that's good, that's good for people, to undermine that and just to break it down. Um, for example, in the 60s, I don't know your age. Many, many of you might not remember this. You might be too too young for this. But in the 1960s, the rad- radicals actually chanted. They say, hey, hey, ho, ho, Western serve must, has to go. And that was their, their chant. And that's what they shouted. They said Western civilization must go because it's just bad. But the thing is, they did not know what communism is. Because remember what we also saw is that that socialism is really just the, the vehicle that's used to bring in full-blown and hardcore Marxism or communism into a country. Just look at China today. Uh, Russia is a little bit more mild because we, they, I mean, the, it came to a, to a fall. But if you look at China today, all the atrocities and the human rights things that are happening there, it's, it's, it's horrific. And sometimes you don't even want to look at these things, but we sometimes have to look at these things so that we know where this whole thing is heading to if we don't do anything. And if we want to change anything, we have to stand up and we have to fight. Now, probably the worst part of the Gramsci socialist legacy is that their outlook is now just blankly taken for granted by millions of teachers, whether it's... um, primary school teachers, high school teachers, these teachers have just accepted it. It's accepted by writers and even churchmen, even clergymen. They, they, they think they're on the right track, but they are absolutely in line with the socialist movement. And they don't have any idea that they are actually committed to cultural Marxism. That's where these philosophies and that's where these studies and that's where this, this whole movement is really moving to to cultural Marxism. And this is where today's Marxists are pushing very hard. They're pushing so, so hard to get there. If you look at the news media and all the legislation all across the world in in, in countries, again, Canada and the United States, where they're trying to push this legislation just to bring everything down. And uh, they're really working nonstop on this cultural front to get everything turned and to get everything into their favor. And that's where they are confident that they can finally take down Western civilization. And Western civilization is really the Christian Judeo bedrock. That's what it's been built on. That's why it worked. That's why uh, people prosper. And they don't like that because there are a few at the top and they want to control everything. Just pointing to, to China again. If you look at China, there's a very small group of people in China that are actually controlling everything. Uh, from the West and from the outside, people don't see that because they, they even use people on the outside in Western societies to, to do their so-called branding for them. They have to change movies and they have to change a whole bunch of stuff so that the the Chinese Communist Party, that they are not put in a bad light. That's to the extent where they've grown. They're very powerful and they've got their tentacles in, in so many places. And that's the only way when they do this, that they can create this communist utopia that people never wanted when it was offered to them directly. People don't want this 
this hardship and this hardcore control by the government. But this is how Gramsci came up with the, with this philosophy. And that's how they brought this in in a very sly way so that they just started grabbing people this way. And when even the workers choose freedom, so-called freedom, and undermine the culture that made them free, that's to the point where they, where they got to. And we see that all around us today. So what they really did was they created vast structures of cynicism. People don't trust anything anymore. People don't even trust each other anymore. I mean, I remember many years ago, you know, we could travel wherever, we could walk wherever, we could go wherever we want to. But today people look at you very critical and people will even tell they will split on you if they think you, you're out of line or you're not politically correct. People split. I mean, look on, on the social media. Sometimes we see people, they would take uh, videos and these things would just go viral. And those are the fruits that we see all around us today, the fruits that uh, the socialism movement that it's bearing all around us. So they really created these structures of, of cynicism. And, you know, it, it just honeycombs, it just infiltrated Western society so deep today. And it will prove much tougher to dismantle this whole thing than the crude building blocks of the, of the Berlin Wall. So, I mean, as you know, the Berlin Wall came down and it was hard uh, concrete cement bricks or blocks. And that was easy to take down. But these things are so infiltrated and it's so embedded in people's minds that it might be uh, quite difficult to, to dismantle all these things. But like I said to you um, before, don't be discouraged. We've got solutions and I believe these solutions can work and it will not take so long to get this whole thing to, uh, to turn around. You know, people in, in Berlin, for example, they didn't have any problem recognizing the, the concrete wrongness because there was a physical wall uh, that, that kept them inside and kept the other ones out. But you go and try to tell people that those redefining marriage and advocating for all kinds of fundamentally wrong things that they are really wrong, go and try to explain that to some of these, these people and some of the young people. It's very hard to do that. And now for solutions, I'm just going to turn this over to you also now. I'm going to say to you, you have to decide if you are going to do your part. I'm willing to do my part. I've already started with this and I'm I'm involved in other things as well. And we really, as true leaders, we have to eradicate this evil in our, in our circles of influence. Or we've got a, another choice. Are we just going to turn a blind eye and be an accomplice in destroying entire nations? Because yes, it's, it's about your nation, it's about my nation, but it's really about entire nations all across the world. So that's what's at stake. So really what is the solution and one of the solutions that i'm really gonna gonna again hold out to you we've looked at it several times and i i emphasize this because the more we hear it and the more you hear it the more uh, you will also understand how important this is and you know 
I just want to mention at this time, in, in, in future episodes, we're really going to dedicate time to look at in-depth solutions to fight these wrongs. And our focus and our goal should always be to build a sound foundation as a family because strong families with good morals really form strong societies and it forms strong nations. It's proven in history. Whenever the morals were great and families were strong, there was really strong nations and people could stand together and they could get what they want. They could fight for what they wanted. So I'm just going to emphasize these these five laws again for, for a sound foundation in our societies. And remember, it's individuals, it's families, it's employees and, and employers, it's the church, and it's government. Now, in the individuals, again, we need to live a productive life and we need to be, be uh, charitable. We, we really need to look after people around us. And then families to have strong bonds and love between the husband, the, the, the um, male, and his wife, the female, and their children, and to provide a, a, a safe environment for the children to grow up in. Employees and employers do an honest day's work and do not withhold wages if you're an employer. And then the church. The church has to look after the community, spirit, soul, and body. So that's really looking after the whole person in in society and in the government the only two things that government is supposed to do is to protect the innocent and punish the guilty those are the only two things the government doesn't have any instruction to take care of the poor or any of these other social things social security and all these things that government is involved in it's just total control and we do not want that we cannot allow that Thank you so much for listening. Please share this episode with a family member or friend and share your thoughts with me. I want to know what you're thinking, solutions that you've already come up with or just thoughts, things that you think might work to, to get this message out. I, I need to hear from you. I would love to hear from you. And also subscribe to this podcast and help me to take this message to the many unsuspecting victims. There are many people who don't know about this and maybe this is just what they need to to know about this and in your sphere of influence you're the only person who can get this news out to them so i really need you to help me to take out this message and the more people who subscribe the easier it is for people to notice this because we want this to to become popular so that people can can uh, get involved and so that we can get the message out and even if you stirred up in your heart today you can donate to help me to take this message out and so that we can get it out on as many platforms as possible. You can go to my website. It's sunshineharvest.com forward slash give. S-O-N-S-H-I-N-E dot com forward slash G-I-V-E. Sunshineharvest.com. Thank you so much. I appreciate you and I'm looking forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning into the Rise and Shine show today. Please hit that subscribe button and share this podcast with your friends and family. I'm looking forward to seeing you in the next episode. <music>